Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I've got uh, Frank the Tank Peralta across from me, and uh, the uh, Aaron Nielsen, owner of Global Hunting Resources, uh, hunting extraordinary. You've killed more shit than smallpox. You're a booking agent, correct? I am. Yeah, I yeah. am now. Yeah, and you've hunted all over the world. I have. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to to uh, travel the world quite a bit hunting. It's been my, you know, the hunting's been my career for 26 years. So. Uh, yeah, but I, I've enjoyed it. I got to see and experience a lot of things, and it's been a lot of fun. And then how many uh, – and you also have a TV show, correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, I host a show called Trigicon's World of Sports Afield on the Sportsman Channel. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and that – how long have you – you've had that several years, haven't yeah, you? We've, I, well, I've been doing that show for about five years now. Gotcha. It's been uh, – uh, Craig Boddington hosted it before I did, and then uh, – and now I've been doing it for about five years. Gotcha. So to give you uh, listeners an idea who don't know Aaron, who Aaron Nielsen is, because we get you kind of specialize in higher end hunts to a certain degree. You do a lot of public land hunts as well. But our followers are we get a lot of uh, blue collar type hunters. Aaron has probably been on what, 250, 300 successful hunts of your own, at least of trophy animals. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when I say he's killed more shit than smallpox, you've <laughs> killed <true>. everything <laughs> from elephants to trophy elk. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I've, like I say, I've been fortunate and have, have done a lot of hunting and have done a lot of killing. And, uh, you know, of course I'm kind of like you, I enjoy, I enjoy that part of it too. But, but, uh, uh, yeah, if you want to just call it hunting big stuff, yes, I enjoy doing that. Well, you posted, you tagged me on, uh, something on Facebook, uh, a couple months ago and it was, Hey, let's see your trophy hunting photos, you know, basically lay them out until you're out. So I went through my photos real quick and I had a photos of a lot of animals, but as far as trophies go, I had 46 photos and I was like, fuck. That ain't even going to fucking scratch a dent in what Aaron's going to have. I called my buddy. I'm like, you going to post anything? He's like, man, I got about 50. And I was like, well, I don't think cows and forked horns and little four points are going to count, man. I'm out at 46 <laughs> and you're on day 70 now, right? Well, we started day 75 today, yeah. yeah. So what you, what'd you post today? Uh, today I posted a Cape Buffalo. Oh, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I, yeah. So Frank wasn't familiar with you. And I'm like, no, man, he's killed cheetahs, elephants, elk, mule deer, everything known to man. Um, what's Not to jump into that real quick because we got actually a topic to cover, but what's your coolest one or one some of your coolest hunts? Um, you know, look, obviously my passion has always been hunting the African lion. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only been one guy on planet earth that's ever hunted the African lion more than I have over the last, uh, 20 years. So, I mean, that's been a big passion of mine, but, uh, probably my greatest adventure that I've ever been on hunting was polar bear hunting. Yeah. And I did that about 15 years ago and it was just the entire experience of being on the pack ice and hunting a hunting a polar bear and seeing several polar bears, which I did, and I was lucky enough to shoot a big polar bear. But that's probably one of the best experiences I've ever had hunting. Gotcha. Now, you're more of a gun hunter, but you bow hunt too. I do bow hunt, yeah. I mean, listen, I spent a lot, you know, I spent years and years as a, as a guide too. So, I mean, I have, you know, I've guided, uh, you know, I've guided lots more animals than I've killed, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've predominantly been a gun hunter throughout my hunting uh, lifetime, if you will. But I, I do enjoy bow hunting and I've enjoyed it a lot more recently. I've, I've uh, started to do it a lot more. In fact, most of the tags that I'm applying for now are bow. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Have yeah. you shot a lion with your bow? I have. Yeah. Holy shit. Chase yeah. <laughs> yeah. the fuck around, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I when did. you, well, I'm kidding, not kidding. When you posted that out of anyone, it, I was like, what, I, can, I can compete with just about anybody but you. When you posted that, I was like, fuck. 
and I'm counting on my fingers and my toes, and I'm like, he's killed 46 in the last two years. Huh. Yeah, this isn't going to be good. And I, but after that, I was like, I thought it'd be cool to just follow along because I hadn't, I didn't truly know how much stuff you've hunted. I knew we'd hunted about the same amount of length of time off and on. I was in the military for a little while, but I, I and I knew you had guided. But I didn't know how many different hunts you'd been on, so it's pretty easy to tell watching your photos, which has been cool because you've posted all kinds of shit that you've shot. Yeah, it's been fun. And, and listen, there's a couple of guys on there. There's at least one or two that are absolutely going to beat me. I can guarantee you. Yeah, and and that's fine. I mean, it was never about it was never about the competition of winning. It was about you know the opportunity to to let other people out there share uh, you know their experiences and their hunting opportunities when they're not you know, a well-known or a person that most people know. And just so people can start to, you know, see what others are doing, you know, outside of the five or 10 or 15, you know, quote unquote, famous people that they follow on Facebook or social media. And you do get that a lot. And we've, we, he and I talk about that of when you're taking advice from someone on social media and social media is great in some aspects and, and maybe not so great in others where you can get someone with a hundred thousand followers that has killed maybe a grouse and a fork and horn or something. And then you can get someone that's got no follow. Well, we had Harold Farenbrook in here the other day. Are you familiar with Harold? No, sir. Harold's a recurve guy. He's killed, what did he say? 12 mule deer between 180 and 218 with a recurve. No, right? More of them. Yeah. Most of his mule deer were up, up like in that 180 plus range. Range. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a killer with a recurve. Yeah. That's amazing. He did. He just got a phone. I mean, I'm not fucking around, right? He just got a phone. In fact, he and I didn't get along at first because he thought he sent me this scathing email about blowing him off. And uh, I'm like, and I, I, I emailed him back. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I've texted you like 30 times. Well, I was texting his home phone. Home phone. Oh, he didn't have a fucking cell phone, right? We get along good now. But, um, but he, you know, no social media. Nobody will ever hear of Harold. Well, they'll hear him because he's on the podcast. And a lot of people know of you, but... The thing is, is when you're getting advice from people, especially on social media, which I think was one of the points you were kind of trying to make was, hey, some guys have been there, done that a hell of a lot more than others and make sure, you know, that you're getting good advice or or if you're taking advice from someone, kind of their resume, so to speak, or their backing. Because like, for example, when people ask me questions about traveling to, to B.C., I can give them exactly what they need. I've been there several times. and But if somebody wants to know about traveling to Africa, I can tell them about traveling, but not traveling to Africa. So usually I'm like, hey, give – I've actually used you as a reference, Randy Cooling as far as traditional archery and uh, Denny Sturgis because I don't know. I've never traveled to Africa and hunted any line. So how the hell would I know? So that kind of stuff, and that's just one example, you've done it. I thought, well, shit, how many times have you been to Africa? 36. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> that's more than – I mean, to put things in perspective for the listeners, that's more times you've been to Africa than most social media Insta-famous people have been hunting in years total, right? So oh, Probably, yeah. Yeah. Just just give yeah. an example. So, yeah, I mean, if you get need advice, Aaron Nielsen's a great guy. Don't email me and email him, especially at night. No, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Now, as far as the global hunting resources, explain exactly how that works. Well, I mean, we're a worldwide booking agency. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, we represent hunts around the world uh, that we offer to our clients if they're looking to go to, just as you mentioned, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South America, Canada, 
whatever it may be. Um, you know, but my philosophy on, uh, you know, listen, a lot of things have exploded in the last 10 or 15 years in the hunting industry. And a lot of it's been because of social media and not, not in a bad way, but it's, it's allowed a greater platform for more people to get out there. So, you know, but my philosophy on it is that, uh, you know, I try to represent and I try to do things that I have experience with, mm-hmm. uh, especially when somebody's relying on me to spend their money on a hunt that they're looking to go on, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to be representing, you know, yourself as an expert in that field and it's something you've never done before. Um, I, I'm not saying you have to have gone to Africa 36 times to be an African booking agent, but, you know, I, I certainly think you should have some experience in the places and the species and the things that you're offering to people. So you're not just the blind leading the blind. I don't, I don't think that's very fair to people, you know, when you're trying to, uh, well, you know, especially with some of the horror stories you hear of people going on hunts with shitty outfitters, shitty guides. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, know. I think that's always going to, you know, that's always going to happen. I do believe that ninety percent of the people, just like in every walk of life or every uh, every occupation, I think ninety percent of the guides and outfitters out there are trying to do the best they can. But I just think that you know, if you're if you're looking to uh, you know, if you're looking to go somewhere or do something like that, I think you're better off to, you know, speak with people that have experience, been there, done that. Certainly, you know, that's why people come here to Kafaru. I mean, you guys are the, you know, you're the leader in, in producing a lot of this uh, products that you guys are selling. I mean, you don't go and ask your neighbor or go to the Walmart guy and ask him about which pack you should do for hunting. You want to come to the experts. Yeah. And I mean, that's one thing like Patrick had ingrained in my brain, which I've ingrained, which is why we're in the field a couple hundred nights a year is you need to know, right? And and uh, when I say need to know, meaning, okay, well, I mean, if we're out there that much, we can really you know, figure out the finite details of, of shit and not guess from, from here. Now we're probably should work maybe a little more than we do, but we're probably not going to. So <laughs> we, I think we've got 18 hunts planned this year. Oh, geez. A lot, yeah. Um, you know, and these are, Frank is, uh, you know, for, I've only been able to afford to go on some of these crazier hunts in the last couple of years. Most of them have been flip flop and swapping, you know, mm-hmm. the blue collar budget type of, of, of hunts where I'm doing you know, pretty much the, the, the mule deer, whitetail, elk, stuff like that. Now, now that we've started to, to travel and like Frank's going up to BC with me for black bear, uh, with Jeff Lander, then we're going to New Zealand for chamois and tar. Um, we may go on a mountain goat hunt depending upon, but I'm lucky in the sense of I'm friends with the Lancasters. Mm -hmm. So they helped me out with, you know, when I went up there and worked with them for a couple months in the NWT. And so they helped me out a lot too, as far as, um, one buddy deals. Um, otherwise I couldn't afford the shit. And then two people to look out for. Um, and they're pretty clear on the, um, uh, well, like, you know, same thing you're talking about. They know what they know. And when they don't know, they tell me who to talk to, you right. know, if they've, they've been there like Clay's like, you better not go to Kyrgyzstan, buddy. It's pretty heated up over there. Or when I want to go, who to go with and who to trust and all that different shit. So that's kind of good for what you do. Cause you're able to, you've been to Kyrgyzstan, and uh, or Tajikistan, which one? No, no, I haven't. I've been to Pakistan. Pakistan, yeah, I knew it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. one of the stands. Yeah, um. one of the stands. <laughs> <laughs> what did you hunt in Pakistan? Uh, I hunted a uh, Send Ibex and a Blandford Uriel. Damn, I've never even heard. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard yeah. of the Ibex, but not the whatever that. That was a it was a cool trip. My um, my host is uh, a guy named Pierre Dana Shali, and he's actually a Pakistani royal family. So, oh, dang. Um, we were. 
we were very well taken care of, very well protected. We had uh, we had armed guards with us at all times, everywhere. Even when we were out hunting, we had our armed guards oh, really? with us. Now, I don't think it was. Um, yeah, I, I really never felt that way. I mean, he, they're they're there with him all the time anyway. But you know, I think that I think people get the misconception of a lot of these places. I mean, you know, it is kind of a you know for the most part, it is kind of a third world country, and the vast majority of the well, I, yeah, there's no kind of yeah, it's I mean, a you've been there. Yeah, yeah, I mean the vast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the vast majority of the of the locals, natives, whatever you want to call them, the, the you know the people of Pakistan. I mean, man, they're just trying to survive. They just want to live. They're not concerned with what you're doing or why you're there. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I never felt unsafe at all. I enjoyed it. But now that's cool. What? Um, so, kind of the topic at hand that um, we haven't even touched on yet was you had the other day posted up on Facebook about. Uh, hunting for meat basically and kind of the new craze or the new fad in like social media about I hunt for the meat and that uh, I can't remember everything you you typed. Some of it I agreed with, some I didn't, but the fact that none of us are hunting for survival. None of us have to have the meat. Now that's part of it, uh, but elaborate a little bit more on what you typed and what your kind of meaning was behind it. Well, I think you, I think you just, you know, kind of said it in a nutshell. But, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily referring to guys that say that I hunt for meat. I, I think I'm more trying to take the position of, uh, you know, I feel like in the hunting world, in the social media world lately, you know, as, as you said, uh, you know, we're we're trying to get into this. You know, I hunt for food. I hunt for survival. Almost as is, as if it's uh, a, an easy excuse. Uh, to give to whether it be the anti-hunting community or the non-hunting community as to why you hunt rather than, you know, just saying that I hunt because I'm a hunter. I mean, now I don't mean to insinuate and, and again, kind of like you say, don't send me a bunch of emails telling me that I, <laughs> I eat what I kill. I understand that m most people eat what they kill. Yeah. I, I get that. But I am – what I'm talking about is, you know, you've seen this jump now where, uh, you know, so many of these anti-hunters and non-hunters are taking a position against trophy hunting, quote-unquote trophy hunting. They're okay with hunting for meat and subsistence, but they're not okay with trophy hunting. Well, I feel like as hunters, we've painted ourselves into that corner mm -hmm. by continuing to, you know, uh, just talk about the, you know, the, the fact that I feed my family, I hunt for food, I only, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I'm not saying that you're not eating what you kill, but what I'm saying is, if you don't go out this year and kill four deer, I know thousands of hunters. I've talked to tens of thousands of hunters. I don't know a single one of them that's going to starve to death at the end of the fall if they haven't killed four deer. Yeah. No, and I, and I do. Again, like when we talked on the phone a little bit this morning, I totally agree with that because um, – that's not the case because you just go buy the meat. Now, I do feel personally, and Frank and I have talked about this, like Frank had said, they used to always just go buy cow tags. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we all eat it. And it, it is more important to me and, and Frank, I know, because we do, it, it is not about survival, but I mean, we drove a freaking trailer all the way to, well, Montana to uh, British Columbia and then to Alberta to take all the meat home. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of it. It's also for me, you know, it'd be live part of its marketing, right? People want to live vicariously through what I do, what he does, what you do, right? Part of its marketing. They sure. want to live the adventure. Um, you know, part of it's the meat because we eat it every day. Uh, and then part of it, and not so much for me because I'm a horrible trophy hunter, but I'm not going to lie. 
it does look cooler when you stand behind a big ass animal than compared to a cow elk. That's just how life works. Now, having said that on my end, I do not have the capability if I see a 190 buck at a thousand yards and a 165 at 150. I mean, you'd have a heart attack. Alex did. But he'll tell you, it doesn't make a shit of difference to me. I'm killing the 165 buck. I'm horrible, right? And he, he was amazed because I tried to get him to let me shoot a 170 buck. And I'm literally trying to like basically chop suey his ass to let me go. And he wouldn't let me shoot it because he wanted me to shoot a buck over 190. There's no difference for me. I'm an odd duck in that. But it is the whole adventure for me. And what we – because we deal like – my fiance, her mom, they're all, well, some of them were anti, some of them non-hunters. Um, I think if I, if I just sold them on the meat part of it, which would be easy to do, it doesn't really explain the whole package, if that makes any sense. Because part of it, if you sp- explain it truly, and I've broke this down a lot since you posted this in my own mind, part of it also is to try to shoot the oldest species. That's that's really truly what in my opinion trophy hunting is. You're shooting the oldest most dominant species and try to explain that because if you do say I only hunt for meat and I shoot Bambi, that sounds pretty fucking bad too, right? <laughs> um, it can, yeah. Yeah. So and and again, you're either going to get from an anti or a non-hunter that hasn't been informed, they're either going to shoot think you shoot Bambi or they're going to think you shoot Bambi's dad and leave the body, the, the bad outlooks of hunting. Right. So for me well, and Frank, we try to paint the whole package. All right, here's us training, right? Here's us getting ready. Here's us shooting our bows. Here's us backpacking in and here's us packing this shit out. And hey, here it is on the Traeger grill. I think that is how it should be shown with the trophy or whatever the hell you killed shown as well. And I don't think, and I agree with you, you should hide away, well, when Ben O'Brien did the podcast of No Grip and Grins, I about came out of my fucking chair. Right? <laughs> yeah, I right, mean, right. I, I'm like, are you like, – that's part of it. You don't play 190 fucking basketball games, win the NBA championship, and hide the trophy. You right. don't put that shit behind your back and hide from it. You hold that fucker up. You got to show everybody what you did. I think you need to do that, whether yeah. it be trophy is – relative right a trophy to a guy that's not at your stature just getting started could be a spike right it could his first bull could or his first deer could be a spike his trophy 10 years later could be a 200 inch buck right but the trophy is part of the experience and i don't think i don't think we should only show the trophy but i certainly don't think we should hide from the fucker either yeah that's that's really kind of my point i mean and listen when you say the word trophy i mean you know my definition of trophy certainly might be different than others. Okay, I think we're all going to have that. I would say so, Aaron. Well, I've seen your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you, you know, my real point is is just as you said. I don't care if your ident- identification of a trophy or your opinion of a trophy is your three point buck that you killed. That's great. I have I have no issue with that. I mean, I've shot three points too. Yeah. You know that that's not the point. The point that I'm concerned about is us hunters painting any sort of a grip and grin uh, mentality that we want to take into the world of hunting as a bad thing to do mm-hmm. versus you know simply trying to anytime you try start to portray something in a in a specific direction like i think a lot of people are starting to portray this i hunt for meat thing and that's my only purpose for hunting i think that you're going to find yourself eventually in a corner that how do you get out of yeah i mean because now as we look down the road if we are talking about the word trophy and if trophy hunting 
then becomes the sin that it that that you know the 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 non-hunting and anti-hunting world is trying to make it out to be. Where are you going to separate? What's going to be a trophy? Right. How are you going to define the word trophy? It almost seems like we're going towards a trend of taking tiptoeing around the word killing. You know, hunting involves killing, and that's what gets me going. It's got us going. The last couple podcasts is. Yeah, we do. Like I've said before in the previous podcast, we have a duty of, you know, portraying ourselves as or portraying hunting in a positive light. But in the end of the at the end of the day, you're killing an animal. And yeah, that's just part of it. Well, hunters and and listen, humans, I mean, we have eyes forward. You know, we walk on two legs. We have fangs. We were instinctually bred to be predators, to be a killer. Now, society has made the necessity for that instinct to be less because of modernization, but you can't just – modernization can't take the instinct out of man. And a lot of us, like us guys and the people listening, we still have that strong instinct to want to hunt and kill. Yeah, well, and I explained this to Amy this way. Her dog is a, is a, is a sheep dog. It's a herder. Fucking dog hasn't herded shit in its whole life, right? It's never herded, but it's a herder because when we do cardio, the motherfucker's clipping knees from the guy in the lead coming to the back, clipping that person to to get it together. Now, that dog's never even seen a fucking sheep. Yeah. But it's in its DNA to be a herder. Well, my dad wasn't a very good hunter. He drove around and got got drunk, and I mean, he's a horrible, right? I mean, it's not a great, but (laughs) in me, I mean, somewhere in that, obviously, I and you and I talked the other day. I'm not a great trophy hunter, but I would be lying. I like shooting stuff. I mean, it's just part of me. And I like eating it and I like everything else where the newer – and again, I try to stay mid-road on this to explain everything. Someone posted the other day, I only hunt coyotes for conservation. Frank went ape shit more than I did. That's a fucking lie. <laughs> we hunt coyotes. One – it's fun to hunt them, right? right? I mean, I, That's, there's I mean, too many in the fuckers, First and foremost, right? at least for me, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll speak for myself. And I can't speak for everybody else, but I've never met anybody that predator hunted just for conservation. <laughs> it's fucking fun, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, um, and I mean, I think this is good. The round table here or the triangle table, we've got kind of the extreme. I mean, dude, you only shoot big shit now. Where. Frank and I will we're not always shooting big shit. I mean, I was ready to shoot a freaking spike moose because I did want the meat. Um, but I paid for the hunt, right? I'm on a, a guided hunt. Um, we're up there. I'm tired of being cold. I did want the meat. I was holding out for I I passed up one earlier that hunt because I wanted a big one. It was a I mean, I don't know what that it was a 170 type moose, but for that area, good moose that Brian shot because I wanted to shoot a bigger one. So I'd be a hypocrite to say I wasn't looking for a bigger moose. Now, on that last day in the middle of a snowstorm when I was fucking done, I was ready to shoot anything because I want I did want the meat in the end to get out of there. But I would be lying if I said earlier that week I wasn't looking for a bigger moose, right? Which is a trophy, right? I was looking for a larger trophy. Sure. In the end, I did want the meat. That was important. So I think though, when I tell this story or like when I talk to friends that are nons and antis, there's nothing wrong with telling that story. We didn't waste the meat. We eat it every day. Um, That you shouldn't hide from any of it. 
right? There's none, none of it should be hidden. You know, you know what I mean? And I don't think that you should just do grip and grins. I don't think, I think telling the story is just as important as the grip and grin. But if you take away the grip and grin, you've also taken away the pinnacle of the experience, which, you know, is important. Well, yeah. And listen, and I, you know, lots of people use that word experience, you know, and, and, and as a, as a, self-proclaimed trophy hunter myself, you know, I too have, have had, uh, you know, people, you know, bash me, if you will, for being a trophy hunter, which, look, frankly, I mean, I promise you, I've had more, go kill 15 lions in Africa, and then I'll show you about death threats and bashing. Yeah, so oh, yeah. <laughs> what people, what people have to say here about my elk pictures or whatever, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But my point is that I think what we're all individually you know, failing to recognize sometimes is that, you know, I, I have had these, you know, guys that are non-trophy hunters and which is fine. So, you know, you're missing the experience. The experience is about the family and being in the woods and, you know, sharing it with your buddies and the meat. And I said, no, no, it's not. I said, what the experience is, is what the experience is to me. I said, what I enjoy about hunting and what I love is I love to try to find the biggest animal I can and match wits with him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I might go home without one. But that is the experience that I enjoy. I don't enjoy, as you said at the, at the beginning of this, man, just like you, I've killed hundreds and hundreds of animals. Mm -hmm. uh, the killing to me is not the experience that I enjoy anymore. Now, I want to kill it if I find the one I want to kill. Yeah. But the experience is going out there, trying to find the biggest, trying to outsmart him, trying to figure out a way to get him, and then hopefully, hopefully accomplishing my goal. Now, at the end of the day, do I still love the meat? Heck yeah, man. I'm just like you guys. I'm a carnivore. I love it. You know, By the way, but, Aaron is a big bastard. What are you, 5'10 and 240? Yeah, well, I'm 230. Yeah, yeah. He's but, like me, well, 230. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a chubby 230. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's a, definitely a meat eater. Yeah. Um, but I would, uh, I would say, though, that um, – I can't nearly disagree with that. And that's one of the things, because at first when you posted that, I was like, yeah, what a dick. And I'm like, ah, eh, I think he's mean and what, because I got some hate mail texts about it. And, I, and that's one of the reasons I called you. I was like, I think this is what you mean. And then we talked and it was kind of what I thought you meant. And uh, could Frank and I. We're not like that, right? We want to shoot a big animal. Right. But Frank's the same, well, you about opening day in Utah shot a doe, yeah. right? I mean, Frank <laughs> does like shooting stuff. Yeah. But if we go up to, um, well, like in Alabama, they Brian really wanted Frank to shoot a buck. Frank's never hunted whitetail. He's like, I'm fine shooting does, man. I like shooting these. And the processing bill was 1700 bucks. I should give you some of the salami. I don't know if you've ever had it down there. It's like crack. But... <laughs> It is it is an area they needed does cleaned out the property sure. for QDMA, for whatever the hell that is, quality deer management. Frank and I are trigger happy. Um, perfect candidates, right? Uh, Frank ended up shooting a good buck. So did I. But it, for, for us, um, I mean, for me specifically with the recurve, I just wanted to shoot a buck because it's not overly easy with that weapon anyway. But in the end, that experience for us was hanging out with Brian and, mm -hmm. and, and, and everything else. Now, if you put me in the middle, Eichler's a little bit different. Eichler at 50 years old is still slamming whatever walks in front of him, right? He's he's more like we are. But when if we go to the Golden Triangle for Whitetail, I'm probably going to hold out for quite a bit bigger of a deer than I would if I'm hunting, well, in Alabama, right? I mean, it's, you know, sure. it, it is – I think that that – 
there's a sliding scale of that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Now, when I go on some of these hunts, we're like we're on Tiburon Island. My experience now is totally different than it would be if the weapon's in my hand. What I'm doing now, my only job is, one, photographing and filming, and two, finding the biggest animal because the guy paid $95,000 for the tag. Right. Now, what people don't think about, which is always left out, which you can chime in on more than me, is the Siri, yeah, Siri Indians down there. This is their primary source of, I mean, it's a poverty-stricken area, right? Right where I've tried to explain to people that have blasted the 95000 price tag for Tiburon Island and the whole nine yards. And I'm like, I don't know exactly where the money goes, but I do know all the uh, Siri, you know, the, the 20 series piled around uh, that sheep. That's like their main source of income for the year is the tip that they get and the money they get paid for, uh, uh, you know, for that specific hunt when they're in there. Um, so it's like... Uh, and people leave that out too. Like I was trying to explain uh, to to Amy about the rhino, right? Like they're poached and the whole. I mean, I understand all of that. And but I said, Amy, if you look at it, what where an anti comes at it and says, "Oh, you're helping by killing." Well, if it raises a hundred times more money than any other way to do it, yeah, taking one of them out to for a guy that paid that much money for the tag may not be a bad thing. Well, listen, I mean, you know, speaking of that, I mean, you know. Corey Knowlton, the guy that you know that that bought that three hundred and fifty thousand dollar rhino from Namibia a couple of years ago, is you know is one of my best friends. Um, you know, I was a groomsman in his wedding, and you know we're good buddies, and we've hunted together for years and years. And I think that you know one of the one of the quotes he said uh, when he was on CNN, he said it best. He says, you know. Um, and I think he was, I can't remember the guy he was arguing with on CNN or talking with, I should say was a better word, but he said, listen, neither you or I can grant these animals eternal life. Right. He said, what part of that do you not understand? They are going to die. So in this case, I have paid $350,000 for a single permit to hunt a rhino, a male black rhino that is past breeding age that in the last six months has t- killed two other younger male yeah, rhinos because yeah because he's angry and just you know he's cantankerous and that's what they do and he says you know it truly is a conservation tool now part of that three hundred and fifty thousand dollars goes to these rhinos in this in this area are literally under 24-hour armed surveillance mm-hmm. you know i mean somebody has to pay for that yeah and i pulled this up on youtube to show amy to make sense of it, right? Because it it does to the non or anti hunter, how does killing help? Well fuck it does if you break it down into common sense. And and I explained to her does and well, males and females, the male the females will go dry and the males will go past a breeding age. Just I mean it just happens, right? And I don't know what it is on a rhino because I don't know shit about rhinos. But at that point, that rhino as far as the the furthering of the species has done his job. He is now a hindrance in a lot of ways, and he's going to die soon anyway. That's right. And what she didn't understand is those rhinos will kill other rhinos out of anger. Now, I don't know bull elk aren't going to do that or whatever, but once that uh, a bull elk passes, which I can't remember how old it is, where he can't really breed anymore, um, and it's going to die in a year, why not someone pay a shitload of money and eat the fucker? 
that common sense, right? Like I don't, it goes to conservation and it goes to habitat. I don't see anything wrong with well, that. Well, that's my point is you, you know, none of us can grant these animals eternal life. I mean, uh, you know, a big bull elk, a mature bull elk, if he lives to 10, maybe 12 yeah, at the most. It. Yeah. I mean, th that's it. I mean, he's, he's not here for 80 years. Well, the other thing too, that I bring up often is, do you think that hamburger fucking died of old age? No, so it got hit in the head with a stainless steel pin. And and this is where I went on my tangent the other day where I freaked out is no one's dropping down on their knee and praying for steak, right? No one's like antis or non-hunters. You don't see them in there. We, no, no fucking tears are shed for hamburger. Yeah. But it died just like if we make burger out of our elk. I assure you. And, and so this is where I think telling the whole story, including the grip and grin, is important that, okay— yeah, I'm not grabbing a burger and holding it up and taking a photo, but I also didn't work my ass off to get that burger. I paid a, you know, a, what a grocery store hitman to kill the fucker, right? I just killed it with my paycheck. Um, but this other one, well, you know how much we train, right? And I know you train too. We trained, we practiced shooting, we did all of this stuff for it. We went and starved our ass off, slept on the ground. Yeah, I'm fucking taking a picture behind it. Yeah, I'm also going to take a picture of it on the grill and I'm going to explain how we, you know, take it apart and the whole story i just i agree with you the fact that last part should not be we should not hide that part well and i and i think that was you know you're really explaining it better than i do which is that you kind of came off like a dick which is why i wanted you to get on here <laughs> yeah totally. I, I understand that and, and listen you, you, you that is not the first time i've been told that so <laughs> <laughs> but i knew what i thought i knew what you meant and that's yeah. why i wanted you to get a chance to explain yourself well and what i what i meant was that i want all of us as a cumulative group to understand that you know we have to be careful about you know like i say corners we paint ourselves in as as a as as a hunting society and Secondly, understand that, you know, what my experience and what I love and enjoy about hunting might be different than yours. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that it should be looked at less or more of, yeah. uh, you know, looked at less upon or, or, or greater yeah. upon. And I think that's what I want is to understand if we can, man, if we don't start, there's one thing that the anti-hunters are united in. They want to stop hunting. Right. Now, we want to argue over, are you a traditional bow hunter? Are you a bow hunter? Are you a meat eater hunter? Are you a trophy hunter? You know, we're busy arguing with ourselves while they're busy being united in one goal, which is to stop us, period. No, I'm glad you said that. Now, I've never heard you shit on guys that shoot small animals. Oh, no, no. 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 I never have heard you, but one of the um, one of the other guys has definitely done that. And it's irritated me because I heard him once go off on, oh, yeah, go ahead and shoot a recurve and shoot does. I'm like, well, what if a guy wants to shoot a doe? He's hunting. He gives a fuck, right? It's his right. It's his tag. And again, I can understand um, to a certain degree that um, if you're – um, what's the word? If a guy gets to be super known in the industry and hasn't killed very many animals, I can understand there's some grief there. That totally understandable because it's like, hey, how the hell did you get there? I understand that. But if someone who doesn't have maybe the means, the knowledge, the time off, whatever, he goes out, his trophy may be whatever the hell walks in front of him. That's right. I don't give a shit, right? I don't either. And that's where it bugs me where can't we just all get along a little bit better? Now, if you're a true trophy hunter and you shoot giant shit, that's admirable. I think it's awesome. But coming from guys like Frank and I, 
I'm not so good at it. Now, I've shot some big animals, but some of them were straight up. That motherfucker walked in front of me before something smaller did. My my biggest elk is, I think, 370. There was a 5x5 five five on its way in that was about to take one in the chest. And that big one <laughs> scared it off, and I shot it because I'm just not a great. And people have told me before, oh, you haven't shot enough. Well, I can tell you that ain't it, right? It just has not left my system, right? I just like shooting animals and I black out my quiver's empty I wake up I don't know what the fuck happened there's blood trails everywhere I don't find anything wrong with that either I, and I don't begrudge any I'd be a hypocrite going with the Lancasters they're paid to shoot giant shit right right I mean right. I and I first one to volunteer when they ask me to go because it's it is cool I personally can't fucking do it right I cannot hold back from shooting now if you, you don't have a weapon in my hand I'm great behind the optics yeah great scoring but it's each person's, like you said, it's their own adventure. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I have absolutely no issue with what people want to shoot. I mean, cause, because, again, we're all out there for a different purpose. I mean, if we're hunting a public land area, and you and I have hunted the same area a couple of times, yep. I mean, the tags are allotted. They, they give a hundred buck tags or whatever it is. Yep. You know, who am I or you to tell the other public people what they can and can't shoot? I mean, have at it. Knock yourself out. I'm happy for you. I'll choose to go do it how I choose to do it. You choose to do it how you choose to do it. And that's fine. But, you know, I think that, you know, like I say, I just keep saying it. I mean, we just got to be careful about, you know, what box we try to cram all of us into, because once you're in that box, it's awfully hard to get out. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, the area up in Northwest Colorado, where we've, we've both, you know, hunted together and, uh, you know, that actually happened in that one year we killed, well, you and I, I think we were after the same buck, but, um, one of the guys killed was like a 203. I think that's an internet 203. I think it was a lot closer to 190 myself. I never scored it, but it's a big buck. Mm -hmm. And we killed another one in there that was in that like high 170 range. But the next year we went in there and I happened to just go up and I was helping these guys out and they went out and they killed a couple 160 bucks. And then one of the other locals here was sending hateful messages about shooting the deer and it wasn't big enough and whatever. And I kind of took a step back and I'm thinking, man, it's this guy's tag. You know, I understand it's not private land. It's public land. If he's happy, who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Like why, why are we hating on each other for what this guy shot? Right. And, and of course this guy, I mean, maybe it's a biased opinion. The guy that was getting the hate mail from him, uh, getting the hate mail was a friend of mine, but I'm like, is it a deer I would have shot? Even for me, maybe not. Right. But, um, Fuck, he's happier than a pig and shit. What's it matter? Well, and that you get that kind of budding of heads in the industry. I can I've never met one anti hunter that hated another anti hunter. They see they're like potheads. They all get along. That was right? what I've said. They they like I say we're divided in amongst a, a bunch of different categories and sometimes fighting with ourselves. Whereas they are absolutely united in the fact that they want to shut us down. Oh yeah, and I just I got off the phone. I was with the professional bow hunter site it's a group of trad hunters right and and uh talking about the some of the hate mail i get about this calling the recurve the struggle stick and the wheel bow and you know my point was look guys i don't give a shit what you shoot coming from a dude that shot animals at 120 yards away with a bow to a guy that now is pretty much stuck at 20 i give a fuck if you shoot something over a thousand yards away or whatever if i want to tell my story how i think it's cooler to shoot it close and people want to join along and do that that's fine, I, but I'm not going to begrudge 
uh, some of our friends that are snipers or shoot shit long away. I'm not going to begrudge that guy for shooting it farther away. That's his choice. Yeah, totally. It's whatever. And if guys want to follow along with me and and shoot shit close up, I'm going to help them as much as I can. If guys, when they call me and they like Ben Rawls is a friend of mine who who you guys he only wants to shoot a unicorn. He wants the biggest, oldest. I mean, it, he wants to shoot the one that no one else can find. I've hunted with them. It starts to get irritating after day 10 because it's like I watched him pass the 183 desert up without blinking an eye. His heart rate didn't go up. He's like, no, the, the, the Siri Indians are right in 180 in the sand. Yeah. And they're like, grande is grande. And I'm like, dude, it ain't grande enough. He ain't fucking shooting it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, he ain't going to kill it. And they're like looking at me and I'm like, he ain't shooting it. He went over, ate a sandwich and was like, let's move on. That's his hunt. Who gives yeah, a shit, right. right? That's his deal. Um, so I, I think that that yeah, the the discontention or whatever you want to call it, the the fighting in the in in the industry is something we definitely need to get away from as well. Well, and I think listen, all of us are are guilty of it. I can't say that I'm not. I mean, we all sometimes have a bone to pick about something, and I mean, I think we all have as you know, as people have egos and, and, and things, it's it's sometimes hard to separate those from what, you know, would be the, the, the greater good of the community, if you will, because we all have our own opinions. We all have yeah. our own desires. But I think that, uh, you know, if we would try to look at some of that stuff on a greater level and try to understand that, you know, I mean, when you, when you, when you classify, you know, yourselves as one thing and then you kind of make it look like people doing it the other way are doing it wrong – you know, in the end, you're you're working at us battling against each other and working to help the antis beat us down more so than you're working as a cumulative group. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I, you know, talking about, I mean, well, Frank, you see it now all the time, especially like Amy and her family. Um, one of the ways that I'm able to personally convert like non and antis is photography, right? Because I take photos and of, of which I get shit from from some of my friends are taking pretty sunrise photos. Luckily, I kill stuff too, so I don't get made fun of too much. But is that seeing the whole adventure through? You do it through cinematography, right? But seeing the whole adventure. So, you know, for example, I think it's important for people to see you're not just some you know total bloodthirsty dick with wearing plaid shooting shit out of the side of a truck, right? Like there's, <laughs> right. there's other. Well, you parts got the plaid going, so. I did start wearing plaid recently <laughs> to try to fit into the trad community, although I don't know if the abuse is worth it. Fuck, man. <laughs> I should have stuck with the Under Armour hoodie. Um, I get a plaid comment at least once an hour now because I've – what has it been, a month? Yeah, I, I didn't so. even – Amy bought the plaid shirts to begin with. I should have – mostly Shanley's boyfriend. Yeah. he Like he totally – I shouldn't even bring this up, but at the archery range the other day, he's wearing. Was he hating on the plaid? No, he's oh. why he he's one of the guys who fucked up plaid. I wore plaid before <laughs> plaid was cool, right? We, yeah. I wore plaid to high school, right? Like right. I went to school in the same as you, nineties. Yeah, right. I'm from a logging community. Plaid, plaid was rad. what you wore, right? I mean, or the the logging shirt. Anyway, he's wearing the V plaid. Right, the super tight pop collar plaid, and right when I walked in, I pointed at him. I said, "You fucked up plaid. You're the reason why plaid is not cool anymore." Because plaid manly men used to wear plaid. Now it's metrosexuals wear plaid. Oh, Jesus, wouldn't you say? You're not going to dive in on that. I'm not getting into this one. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. Were we talking about plaid shirts now? They they don't make them like they used to. They make them form fitting oh. and weird now. Yeah, I felt. You know, you oh, gotta get the untuck it, man. 
Well, that's yeah. well. I got. I've. I had to. Fi- I had to look to find plaid that, like, I used to wear that was sort of baggy or what. You know, that right. fit. Because they're all V, and I'm fat, man. I can't wear a V plaid thing. I just like don't want it was, Shanley to beat my ass. What's that? It's uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll won't, he'll wear a manly plaid the next time. But yeah, he had maybe. the perfect red checkered V plaid, and his hair was cute. He had shit in it. I mean, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. I'm sure I will Lord. hear about that one. Um, back on the subject, though, with you on uh, a lot of this, what do you think uh, can, like, let's say change it, what do you think people should do? Like, uh, as far as the message, like we, we were talking about mountain lion hunting in Arizona. They're talking about taking that away. That's right. Um, now, I know, obviously, it was taken away in California a long time ago, spring bear here. But I think getting the message across that one of the parts of trophy hunting for mountain lions is you're killing the most dominant lethal predator. And with dogs, it makes it effective. If you don't do that, those things are going to kill the shit out of all the deer. We're going to have a deer problem. Right. So explain that or your thoughts on that, like with with using dogs for mountain lions and how basically stupid that is taking that away. The long term repercussions of of taking away the only real means or effective means of hunting a dominant mountain lion. Well, I think in in simple terms, you just said it. I mean, you know, once you eliminate, you know, the control of that predator, which, you know, I mean, all wildlife now is confined to a space. I mean, it's no longer 300 years ago where they can roam anywhere and everywhere they want to go. I mean, they are confined to a space, and it's our responsibility as the as 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 man, and we have dominion over the wildlife. It's our responsibility to, uh, you know, to manage them responsibly, and by eliminating the very essence of what makes mountain lion conservation-minded hunting successful, which is which is taking away the hunting of dogs, you are going to now skew that problem into a in, into a conservation issue that will come up down the line, just as it has in California and so on and so forth. So once you start letting that predator the black get out of con- population in California, by the way, right. is going down and has been for quite some oh, yeah, time. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, listen, the same thing is going to happen here in Colorado, Arizona, whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and if you if you don't think that's even remotely possible, all you have to do is look at the wolves yeah. in the Yellowstone area. I mean, you know, that that is an opportunity. It, it'll be the same thing in reverse. They might have introduced them and didn't allow them to be hunted. And of course, they grew out of control. What's the difference? I mean, if you just stop the hunting of them, the effect hunting of them here, the mountain lions, that is, yeah. they are going to do the same thing and they're going to wreak the same havoc on the wildlife. It's 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 just that simple. Well, and to explain it for people that maybe have never hunted uh, mountain lions, specifically in Colorado, there's a quota per unit. That's right. Every, every Each time, once you've harvested or killed a mountain lion, however you prefer to call it, you check it in and that's taken off the quota. It's all documented. Um, once that quota's hit, that's that, it. You're yeah, done. that area's closed. That area's closed. Now, yeah. What people don't understand, and one thing I try to preach to people that are kind of poo-poo on dogs, is the fact that, oh, it's too effective. Well, do you ever hear of somebody saying they didn't fill a quota? Yeah, I don't see their ass whitewater rafting to work. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, the, uh, yeah, good point, or a rickshaw. Yeah. Um, is the fact that there's never a issue with getting a lion, right? And I've been on several lion hunts, and there's not a problem. So it's not like you can say, oh— there's just not enough lions, so we shouldn't run them with dogs. It's total emotion. It just doesn't seem fair for the lion to hunt it with a dog. Well, try and hunt one without one. 
right? It's pretty fucking difficult. You won't. Yeah. And I mean, if you do, it's blind shit yeah. house luck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, everything is, and, and again, it'll be the guy that'll email and say, oh, I called one and one of the predator called one time. Well, of course, people have done yeah, those but things. Yeah, how often does that happen? Yeah, right. No, I mean, Hardly the, ever. Yeah, well, the, the, the realistic fact of it is that without the aid of dogs, you know, effective lion population control would be outrageously difficult. I've been on two hunts where we had we shot one of them and, and another one we didn't. And I can tell you when we were we were calling elk and it came in, the last thing on my mind was it a male, was it a female? What we were like motherfucker kill it, right? right? <laughs> Where with dogs, you have the wherewithal to okay, that's a female, that's young, that's old, that's whatever. Where you don't do that shit when they come in. You're shooting 20 yards away. I mean, you're going to want just out of self-defense alone, right? I mean, you're shitting your pants. I, I mean, you've seen them up close. It's pretty intimidating in Oregon. We had come, one come in, and right before he took an arrow in the chest at like 18 yards, that was fucking epic, dude, because he was like this. The other one, James, James shot one, missed it, hit right beside it, and it just crouched down even lower and took another arrow. Well... You, you think about that, that's one story out of millions of hunters every year. It's blind shithouse luck where with dogs, you're out, you look for a track, you get the dog on the track. This is a simplified version. You see how far the tracks are spaced apart, how long, how big the pad is or the, the track, and you can pick, do we even run after this? You know, right. Is this a dominant cat? And then once you let the dogs out and it gets in the tree, then you get a final, okay, do we want to take this? That allows you to pick and choose the actual, you know, animal you're wanting to shoot so you can shoot the idea being the older males or the larger males, which are the biggest problem. Now, how many – do they say it's two and a half deer a week a cat kills? No, I, I, I would say about an average of a deer a week. Okay. Yeah, uh, a big mature cat will kill him an average of a deer a week. And I can't – I can't – I've read an article about the numbers. It was devastating how many – so you figure – like if we run in western Colorado, if you run and let's say you figure you run in a day in one unit and you cross between 7 and 12 different tracks, well, do the fucking math. That's a lot of deer going mm -hmm. down. Um, and nothing is killing a mountain lion, not in Colorado, no, only a human. Okay, so what is a – how many – little babies as a mountain lion have, right? Uh, well, from what I understand, it has two to three in the litter, um, I think. Two at a minimum, like a grizzly, basically. Right. Okay, well, all right. Well, there's two a year per female. Okay, and then those two little bastards are going to cure one deer <laughs> a week. And so that's four deer a month. And you multiply that, that'll devastate one unit completely inside of a couple years. And you can look at the blacktail population in Oregon. I mean, how often do you hear guys say now how far the blacktail population has gone down? Right. Well, they're not dying from hunters. They're dying from fucking cats. Right. And and you try to tell that to an anti, right? That They just don't see it. So try to explain that is important. And I'm not a big cat hunter or whatever. I mean, I well, I think we're going Monday as I say that. <laughs> hopefully. But, uh, hopefully it snows. But I know on the amount that I've run them before, um, it's the most effective way and you get to pick and choose, which is important. So. Well, it, it's very important. And you know, that's one of the arguments that I made for uh, – have made for a long time about hunting uh, African lions uh, with bait. You know, a lot of people will say it's not it's not sporting. Well, first of all, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're 
commenting on something that you've never done before, so you wouldn't understand all the processes that go into it. But what it does allow you to do is if you can have a big male lion of bait is you can you can look at all those things that he discussed. I mean, you get to determine is it an old enough male to take? Is it is it a male that doesn't have a pride with, with dependent cubs? You know, a bunch of these different things that you can look at rather than just going out and, you know, uh, uh, happenstance, bumping into a lion and, and killing it and not really knowing what it was. And and the fact is, you know, the, uh, the chance of bumping into an African lion in the wild is about the same chance of bumping into a mountain lion here in the wild. <laughs> you don't just go out there and bump into lions. It doesn't happen. So, um, it, you know, it's an important concept that I think people need to understand that, you know, maybe some of these hunting tools don't seem like it's the most uh, sporting from from the way they see it, but it might be a very effective way to more professionally manage the uh, and and conserve you know whatever animal it is that we're talking about. The the grizzly thing. So I'm back, folks. I had to take a pee break. Uh, everybody's used to that by now. But uh, grizzlies in in uh, British Columbia. I was up there with Bart running them in the spring. And the one thing that I I mean I basically. Where we were at wasn't conducive to running them with dogs. And, and Bart, you know, five days of driving around, enlightened me on this. He's like, man, I am able to shoot the most mature black bear or grizzly with these dogs. He was like, you know, call it whatever you want. He's like, the dogs don't get let out unless it's giant. And we're able to sh- shoot the ones that, I mean, especially grizzlies that are just, I mean, nothing's killing a grizzly, right? Ultimate predators. And so when we're driving around, he'd get out, we'd look at the track. If it was a sow, if it was small, get back in the truck, we wouldn't run it. Well, I mean, I don't think people realize that, especially on a grizzly up there. There were so many grizzlies. They were crisscrossing on tracks and shit. I mean, he was like, because there there's a grizzly problem. Well, we're talking about the trophy hunting, you know. Mm-hmm. They had a very skewed vote of trophy hunting uh, grizzlies, and they initially said they were going to ban trophy hunting, but you could still take – uh, you know, the meat basically, right. which no one's eating grizzly. I mean, you're just not. Um, it's full because there's such a, they're a carnivore, I mean, liver flukes and all the other shit that's in there. But if you like moose, you really want to kill grizzlies, right? Like if you like ungulates, they eat the shit out of them. Well, I don't know how anti just can't see that is the fact that, and I've seen footage of all the different, you know, grizzlies, barts running. There's a lot of them. And so that's going to just crush the population in British Columbia of all the ungulates. And now it's gone. And the vote was 70, was it 76 percent? 74%. 74% did not like trophy hunting, grizzlies. But the vote was skewed and they had Miley Cyrus on. They had a hell of a <laughs> fucking campaign, man, against it. But not one time did they actually ever ever have an actual campaign of people explaining the the good parts of grizzly hunting. So – that's another thing's taken away. Well, yeah, and it's unfortunate, but I think that that grizzly bear issue in BC was exactly kind of what we were talking about the other day, and I think that's part of the issue, which is, you know, they have, and I say they, meaning the anti-hunting world or anybody that's trying to stop hunting, have really grasped onto that word trophy. You know, we we don't like trophy hunting, but in the same poll, you know, 30-some percent of people, uh, 70-some percent, 74 percent were against trophy hunting, whereas only 30 percent were against hunting for subsistence or food. Well, again, like I say, I think we have hunter, as hunters have contributed to that 
very problem or that very skewed poll, if you will. You know, I mean, again, how are you going to – how silly is it when they were originally considering continuing the allowance of grizzly bear hunting, but the hide and trophy was going to be required to remain in the field and you could take the – and only take the meat? I mean, that is just absurd. Yeah, we were talking about it. I Now, for for me, like I, I had said at first, I was like, oh, shit, I don't give a shit. I want to shoot another one. I'm going to go back up there um, and, and kill another one because I, I, I kind of got my ass handed to me with the recurve um, trying to kill one. But, we, you know, we were talking about it like you're leaving all the good parts of – the animal in the case of a grizzly and you're truly shooting grizzlies for conservation now you may not that may not be your personal intent you may just want to shoot a grizzly but in the end you're shooting it because of conservation now that again i didn't go up there for conservation purposes i went there up there because i want to shoot a fucking grizzly yeah, right, right. <laughs> but right. but uh, when you see how many grizzlies there are in the end you are actually it's helping out the ungulates. I mean, there's no way around it. And those tags are allotted by the Fish and Wildlife Department because they know X amount has to be killed a year or they will crush the the ungulate population. So there was no science involved. And I mean, also the amount of the monetary draw, I mean, the amount of money lost from that is amazing too, that they were able to, I was surprised they shit canned it from the amount of money that the government got from grizzly hunting and they Kicked it aside for no apparent reason. I mean, no science-based really reasons whatsoever. So, well, that's the battle we're losing, man. It's it's the emotional battle. Yeah, that's that's the battle we're losing. Period. I mean, you know, uh, we we have, have as humans have attached too much emotional sentiment to, you know, the lions. You know, the African lion at Simba and the warthog is Pumbaa. And, yeah. But let me tell you something. I've seen plenty of warthogs and lions in the wild, my friend. They don't dance around the fire together. <laughs> yeah. When, 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 when Simba sees Pumbaa, he is trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and I understand like um, in some views where uh, I talked to, to Brian with Gritty Bowman about this a couple days ago, um, you know, and he was like – he said something – and it made sense was, you know, if if um, times are changing, it's changing away from the, the grip and grin, which is somewhat true. And I said, no, I said, I agree with you some. I said, um, you also need to – it is changing away from the grip and grin and you do need to I, – I feel it's important to talk about the fact that you are going to eat the animal, mm-hmm. but you cannot hide from the – cannot hide from the kill. And I, I think you – agree with that too like once you hide from that you're basically fucking yourself over long term if yeah. you're hiding from the kill and, yeah. and that's what i worry about is a trophy can be i don't give a shit what it is from a doe to a 400 inch bull I, I think when you start to hide from the fact death is involved you're going down a slippery slope i think that probably is the best point yeah it's simply that yeah at the end of the day however you want to slice the pie of why you're doing it your end game is to kill the animal. Yeah. Whether it's for your grip and grin, for your table, for your experience with your family, maybe all of the above. And and I think most of us do do it for all of the above. But you cannot deny the fact, like you say, once you start, uh, uh, you know, Ben was in here telling you, you know, we need to do away with the grip and grin. So, I mean, once you start hiding from something, you're almost presenting them with a reason why. You're, well, if, if, if they're hiding from it, there must be something to hide. You're, you're ashamed of it. Yeah. Basically. And, and, you know, I went, I thought pretty heavily, he and I talked about this quite a bit back and forth because initially your post, 
you could be taken as where Frank and I are, where we do eat the meat. It mm-hmm. is an important part of it. But then talking to you, you are like, no, of course we eat it. What I'm saying is don't hide from the kill um, and you're not going to survive off the meat, which is I mean, no one's surviving off the I mean, nobody I know anyway that's surviving off the meat. Now, would I be sad if I didn't get to eat moose all year? Yeah, but I'd probably be eating elk or something else or go buy beef. But when you when I explain the entire adventure, the 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 from beginning to end adventure, I generally follow up after the kill with the fact that that fucking cheeseburger you're stuffing in the mouth died too. Yeah. And don't forget that. And and add that in to where, hey, if you're eating meat, something died. Don't give a shit what you're doing. It didn't die of old age. It didn't die of cancer. It died either in a fucking farm, right, where they're right. pro- like bought and sold wholesale, generally by this stainless steel spike that goes in the brain. And it's like a... We might as well explain it, right, for people that don't know. It's a long cattle deal, and there's this air gun spike, and it gets stopped, and the gate goes in the front and back, and it's pinned in there, and it can't move. Right. And then the air gun, you go up to the head, and it shoots this stainless steel spike into its brain and back out. And then that's already preordained with this big thing to truck it out of the hole. That's what the guy used on uh, No Country for Old Men. That's right. Kill. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a badass movie, yeah. by the way. <laughs> you see a squirrel here. That's exactly yeah. what he was using. Yeah. yeah. And, and that showed you how effective that thing was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's what people don't realize because they – when they see hunting, it's a target they can bitch about, but everybody hides that cattle drive from them. So also teaching is important too, like letting – you know, like making sure this kind of shit is brought up I think is important. Like – the cow didn't die of old age. At least what we kill, whether it's you trophy hunting or or us pretending, at least that animal got to live wild, right? Like it, right. And I know, and I brought this up many times, and I know you're the same way. I'd rather die like a warrior or living in the wild and make it however many years I make it than live in a fucking cage and then get a spike shot in my head to, to fu- my final <laughs> days is is basically leading down the cattle, you know, cattle ramp or whatever. Well, I'm sure animals are dying because of the vegans too, right? I mean, yeah. farming, there's tons of small animals that get fucking eaten up in the, well, uh, well, deer in the get, machinery. And... Have you ever seen the videos of the guys in the big combines running over deer? <laughs> it's, it's yeah, whatever they're called. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, shit dies no matter what. Stuff's going to die for us to be alive is probably the gist of it or the point the humanization of of animals is is uh is beyond me where the polar bears holding the coke cup and i mean all that shit and and that's part of the problem too and i think that goes along the lines with what you're saying um instructing teaching people and, and 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 not necessarily glorifying the kill but not hiding from it is i guess at the end of the day what we're talking about it i think is important as well just telling the whole story yeah, I agree. I agree. So anything else you want to touch on? We kind of beat this dead horse to death. <laughs> no, I think we've got I think we've beat it to death. Yeah. <laughs> well, so with you, um, what uh do you got anything crazy coming up this year? Are you traveling out of the country at all? Are you going on any crazy? You know, hunts? honestly, as of right now, I've not made any plans. Yeah. Um you know, I'm gonna wait and see if uh see if I don't draw a couple of tags. I did draw a Wyoming elk tag already, so um yeah. you know, I'll do some of that and but uh you know, I I'm I'm considering doing some things but i just haven't made any final plans yet so who knows we'll see what happened what's your what's your like go back three years what's the craziest one you've done in the last three years 
Oh, geez. Well, I guess within the last three years, the craziest one I've done would, would have been hunting a lion with a bow, an African lion. Um, That's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I did a um, – uh, listen, and it's not a subject I want to get into now, but I didn't do a canned lion hunt. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not crazy about those. I did hunt a wild lion in Tanzania. Yeah. And it took us uh, it took us 15 days, uh, you know, to, to finally get him into a position where we could, we could get him. So it was uh, – that was pretty cool. It was good fun. Yeah. What's the other lion hunt you're talking about that you didn't do? Is it do they put it in a high fence or something? Well, okay, I'll go briefly into it if I can <laughs> quickly. Here's 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 the issue. So everybody has their opinions about high fence, take it or leave it, right? I, I frankly don't care. I, I could care less whether you hunt a high fence or not. I have hunted uh, high fence in Africa on on several occasions, but vast majority of the hunting I've done there has been in completely wild areas. But uh, the real controversy that created with the, with the African lion was that it's not just, you know, these canned lions aren't just high fence, but they're literally canned caged animals. Oh. And so it's not, you know, the lion isn't living, roaming free in 50,000 acres where he's hunting and killing for himself. Okay. He's raised in a hundred foot by hundred foot cage his entire life, hand fed, you know, fed by man. And the day that Frank shows up to kill his lion, 12 hours before that, the lion is drugged. He's taken out to the hunting block and they tell you, oh, it's 50,000 acres. Well, what does it matter? He's never been there. He doesn't know. You know, so the next morning he wakes up from his drug induced stupor. And the next thing he knows is here's five guys barreling down on him with one bow and four guns. And and if you watch, look, a, a lot of the TV personalities that you have seen kill lions with a bow, they're all hot. They're all caged, canned lions. They're all literally. I do these... think that's a fucking black eye on hunting, right? I do think that's probably bad, um, that portion of it. Um, now, I mean, I've, that's my own personal you know, opinion, you can get in like the monetary aspect of it or whatever. But now, have you been on one like that or have you done just the wild ones? No, I've never hunted a lion like that. How how do you feel about that? Um, uh, you know, my feeling has changed over the years. I used to feel like that, you know, do what you want. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not here to judge you on how you want to choose to hunt. But the problem that I have with it now is that it has created an immense amount of ammunition for the antis. I mean, you know, to that they have really latched onto that. And that's part of why the lion, the African lion has become such a controversial issue is that I think the vast majority of the people now think that's what hunting lions is. And, and, and that's not what hunting lions is. And that's what I was going to say, because I know Randy and and um, and Denny have went over for I think leopard I don't know shit about it's less that normal uh, they had to shoot them at night and there was a bait and they had to wait in a blind and I think it was leopard um, and I, they went on one I think for a lion I'm not sure but the same thing they were talking about how hard it was like mm-hmm. over and over sitting at night on the bait nothing I mean hell they didn't get one right um, but they kind of enlightened me on some of the stuff that you were talking about and they said man it it really has given us a black eye because everybody thinks, oh, you're going over there to shoot this tame, you know, lion. And we're like, no, we're not going over to shoot this tame lion. It's wild and free where 
There are personalities that have went over and shot one that's I didn't yeah. know it was at that level, but I knew it was obviously pretty yeah, much yeah. tame. And, and 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 I don't mean to I don't mean to you know throw them under the bus. My only point is that that's what a lot of us you know if 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 you've watched most people who haven't been and done it you know if they've seen it on TV or seen it on a YouTube video or what that's why they've seen it is because it's been one of these guys that have been doing a show or gals or whatever the case may be. So that's that's my only point to mentioning them, which is, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, but the real issue is that, you know, it's not, you know, it's not something I think that we probably as as hunters want to portray, you know, to the world again. I mean, I know that's being a little bit unfair about, you know, casting your, you know, casting your opinion onto somebody. But I think there is a line where you can go too far. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's what I mean. You know, here we are earlier in the segment talking about we need to make sure it all come together. Well, yes, I agree with that. But maybe there are some lines where you can go a little too far. And, you know, having a lion live in a 100 foot by 100 foot cage its whole life and, you know, dumped out of a cage and killed 12 hours later, that might be going a little too far. Yeah. Putting the things into perspective, though, it's just popped in my brain. That's no different than what non-hunters that ate beef are doing. That poor fucking cow lived in a smaller cage than 100 by 100 and it was killed by a spike. So think about that, Antis. Listen to this, you assholes. But uh, I mean, truly, it is. I mean, they're not drugged, but they're basically living. Have you ever been through Dalhart, Texas? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Christ almighty. Have you ever been through there? Yeah, yeah. It's like a giant, what is that, probably 20 miles and nothing but cattle, ass to nose. Uh-huh. You could run across the top of them. Um, and so, I mean reality you make a huge deal of it i mean if you're eating meat a lot of your beef probably lived that way even you know not and i'm not agreeing with the the whole lion thing that you were talking about but i mean cows live in a cage so do chickens i mean i guess chickens don't have souls neither do fish i had some guy message (laughs) me well you get more hate mail than me right but god forbid you shoot a fucking bear right you can shoot a doe Never got hate mail over a doe, but bears for some reason don't. They, I don't know if you knew this. They don't kill anything. They're they're fuzzy and fluffy. <laughs> and uh, I got you know I don't know you know several hundred death threats from the one bear, and then the grizzly. I got even more. And the guy said you need to shoot. And I I said hey I looked at your page. You eat meat. And I said uh, I, I said I ate the black bear. I said I didn't eat the grizzly. You know I said but. Um, if I eat the black bear, why is it, you know, whatever, big deal. And he said, you need to shoot lesser, I can't worry, basically dumb species, species with smaller brains, and which meant, he said, turkeys and, and chicken and fish. And I said, well, does that mean that if I have some dumb friends, I should just pop them <laughs> in the head? They're dumber than shit, right? Lesser, spe- you know, like, okay, well, I'm no genius myself. Does that mean if we need to start shrinking the earth, guys that work for NASA are going to make it and I just design backpacks, I'm going to die. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. And that was his and a lot of his friends that were sending me hate mails idea of we're okay to eat fish, chicken, and turkey because they're a lesser evolved species. And I'm like, man, that it didn't make sense in my brain, but that's the mentality of some of these people. Um, you know, and I'm like, well, all right. Does that mean a mountain goat, which I've been on? They're not the brightest. I mean, they could be hunted a lot. They're pretty fucking dumb. Does that mean that they are okay to shoot? Because I would put a chicken and a mountain goat not too far apart um, <laughs> on the brain species, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I bet you stick a chicken on the mountainside, he's going to be harder to kill than a mountain goat. I would expect, uh, I would expect that's exactly <laughs> right. So either way, but all right. Frank, you got anything to add? No, nope. 
You sure? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, you? No. Hey, listen, I just want to say uh, thanks to you guys for inviting me out. Yeah, it's been fun. I enjoy hanging out with you. And it's really cool. I've not been here to your Kafaru headquarters yet. And it's uh, if you guys haven't had a chance to get down here, you ought to come check it out. they got a nice showroom here. But thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again. It was fun. Um, and, uh, you know, cover all kinds of different stuff. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.